What an incredible man, isn't he? Amen. You know, it's, it, it, I'm sure most of you guys have understood that Wednesday, Billy Graham, I like, to, I like to say he graduated to heaven. Isn't that a good way to look at that? And, and here's a man that it's safe to say that God's hand was mightily on. He touched a lot of different lives, and, and, and so with social media, you see a lot of stuff out there now. When something like this happens, you see all kinds of different things for positive and sometimes negative even. And, but one of the things that I thought was really unique when I seen people start posting about him was, was how he impacted their life, and, and really a celebration of his life, not a, not a, a mourning as, as often we do at funerals, we mourn the passing of a loved one and, and, and people are shedding tears, but these were tears of joy. Uh, I seen a, an interview with, of, of all people, Kathy Lee Gifford. I didn't know that, that I guess they were family friends. Um, she came to, to know Jesus through Billy Graham and her whole family was saved through Billy Graham's ministry. I did not know that. And, and so when she, when she heard she said she just raised up her hands and said, thank you, Jesus. That's mighty. That's mighty. And when I look at Billy Graham's life, and this is not going to be completely a sermon on Billy Graham, just so you guys know that, but, but, I, but I do want to acknowledge the man. He had a very simple message, and you heard kind of his last sermon right here. You, and, and it was really kind of a simple thing. And, and really come down to this. It says, listen, Jesus loves you. You can know this love that Jesus has for you. You can inherit heaven. He says that, he says that he's not scared. He's, 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 he's anticipating it, eagerly anticipating it on it. And, then the, and because he's doing that, he said the last thing that he really said was, and you heard it out, at all, out of his, whether you, you've heard it through a book that you read of his or a crusade, that you can know for sure that heaven's your home. That was his message. And, and you think about the number of people that he, that he impacted in his life, whether it was at Crusades. You know, those were the first megachurches, in case you guys were curious. He'd come in there and doing a sermon, and there's 15,000, 20,000 people out of there, and, and thousands of people making a decision for Christ. All he was doing was casting seed. Well, ironically, you guys read, and you guys are in the book of Mark right now, and in Mark chapter 4, we're going to actually going to read more than what just the first 12 verses, but um, we're going to read about the parable of the sower. And I thought that what a, what a great thing to bring together with, with uh, Billy Graham and, and his life. And so I want to really kind of focus on that. And I'll, let me read real fast on it. Uh, and really, this is the good news that he's talking about in here. And, and so in Mark chapter 4, verse 1, if you've got your Bible, go ahead and open it up. And I'm going to go ahead and start reading, though. And it's up here. We'll bring it up on the board right now as well, on there on the screen. It says, in verse 1, it says, he began to teach by the sea. And first of all, I want you to let you know that they're in Galilee is where they're actually at. They're right on the sea. Um, a lot of people are following Jesus right now. And, and so much of a crowd that, that he's actually having a hard time even being there. So he's actually teaching this from the back of a boat. Or from the front of a boat, but from a boat, okay? And he says, and he began teaching by the sea, and such a very large crowd had gathered to him that he got into a boat into the sea, and he sat down, and the whole crowd was able to, uh, was by the sea on the land, and he was teaching them many things in parables. And he was saying to them in his teaching, listen to this. Behold, a sower went out to sow. And as he was sowing, some seed fell on the side of the road, beside the road. And the birds came and ate it up. Other seed fell on the rocky ground, where it did not have much soil, and immediately it sprang up because it had no depth in the soil. But it had no depth in the soil. And as the sun had risen, it was scorched, and because of it had no root, it withered away. Other seed fell among the thorns, and came and choked it, and it yielded no crop. Other seeds fell on the good soil. And as it grew, it increased, and they yielded crops and produced it thirty, sixty, and a hundredfold. 
And as he was saying it, he said, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. And as soon as, and, and as he was alone with his followers among the twelve, he began asking them about the parable. And he said unto them, You have been given the mystery of the kingdom of God, but those who are outside get everything in parables. So that while, you are see, while they are seeing, they may not see and not perceive. And while they are hearing, they may not hear. Otherwise, they might uh, return and be forgiven. So it's kind of a little bit hard when you end on that last 11 and verses 11 and 12, you're kind of like, whoo. So what does he mean here? That he goes, listen, the one that, some of them can hear it, but they don't really understand it. They can see it, but they don't perceive really what's going on. And, and so when we leave it right there, it kind of makes it sound like Jesus is saying that, listen, what I'm teaching right now is only for you, his disciples. But that's not what, I want to give you a little bit more on that and kind of open that up a little bit before we dive into this parable today on it. Do you guys realize that two different groups followed Jesus? There were those that wanted to see a miracle. They heard about feeding of 5,000 and they want to say, hey, man, I want to see if he does that again. They've heard about sick being healed. People that are blind receiving their sight. Last week we talked about lepers being cleansed. My wife laughs at me every time I say that because she thinks I'm saying a leopard is a cat. It's my country, baby. So, but, uh, so he's got two different groups. And so what he's really saying here is, listen, he goes, the ones that are here to follow me, the ones that are here to really truly hear what God has for them, they're going to hear it. But the ones that are just here because they seen and they were fed, or the ones that were here that, that just were coming to see something, they're not going to get this. They're not going to pick this up. And the reason why I want to say that up front, because that really sets the whole boundary for this parable as we go through it and talk about it. So I don't want you to get this perception that Jesus is saying, listen, I'm just going to speak in parables and no one's going to get this. Why he spoke in parables, first of all, was because in scripture and prophecy, it said that he would teach the people in parables. That was one of the signs of who he said he was, the Messiah. We've seen that back in Matthew, and it's coming up again in in Mark, where he says, who do people say that I am? He says that some say that you are Elijah or John the Baptist and the, or one of the Old Testament prophets. And he says, who do you say are? And he says, you are the Messiah. You're the son of the living God. Those are who he's talking to, the people that understand who he is and they're perceiving. So let's go ahead and kind of blow this up a little bit and we'll kind of go into this. And... Um, We'll just pick up right in 2 Peter. I want to kind of give you a little something, too. In 2 Peter, it's up on the board. Uh, it says, the Lord, is not slow coming, you know, to a, the Lord is not slow about his promise, as some count slowness, but is patient towards you, not wishing that any should perish, but come all into repentance. You know, the, the one thing that Jesus has done is, is he says, listen, he goes, you have free will. You have free will. You make a choice on whether or not you're going to choose to follow because he does not willing that any should perish. In Romans, it says that, that he even talks about giving us multiple chances in Romans. So in Romans 1, 17 and 19, it says, for, the, for in the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, but the righteous man shall live by faith. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness, all unrighteousness of the men who... Uh, suppress the truth in unrighteousness because that which is known of God is evident within them. So he's saying that, listen, they know what's right. They know what about God. It's evident within them. For God has made it evident to them. And so I hear the story sometimes is like, well, what happens about the, the, the group that's in the farthest parts of Africa or some other, name your place, and it says that, that, what about them? They've never heard the gospel. And the fact of the matter is, Scripture says God has revealed to them over and over and over again, all of us. All of us are without account. You know, we've, we, we, know that there's, we know that there's something more. We know that there's a God in heaven. And it's whether or not that we're going we're gonna to go into that. So knowing and understanding that is going to give us the rest of the setting for this parable. So we're going to start talking in. And first, let's, 
He starts out a parable. He talks about a sower, a sower going out, right? And he's casting seed. That's what a sower does, right? He plants so that crops comes forward. And so, and, and we're going to kind of do this two ways. So I said it was only verses 1 through 12. I actually, I guess I wasn't completely straight with you. We're going to keep on going down because this is a very cool parable because the fact of it is I don't have to interpret this for you. I don't have to interpret this parable at, out, at all for you because we get the, we get the best person in the world to interpret the parable for us, and that's Jesus himself. So Jesus is going to tell you about everything in here. So I'm going to take the original verse and then his answer for each one as we dive through this. And so first of all, I want you to understand the seed that's being casted out is the word of God. That's what he's casting out. So as, as, as you, uh, I was talking to my, my son this morning, and, and he was talking about a, a person, a friend that he's been telling about Jesus, and he says, you know, I try and try, but it's not doing it, but he's casting seed. That's what he's doing. I talked to my oldest son. Uh, I got to talk to him Thursday. I think it was Thursday. I got to talk to him. And uh, Justin, you guys might not know this. Justin had a setback. So basically, he, I told you before, he hurt his leg. But it was a little bit more than that. Basically, when he hurt his leg, he hurt it really bad. It, it, it was basically, from what I understand, it's shin splints that kept on going is what it was. And so basically, he didn't fracture his leg but it's just shy of being a fracture. And so they're actually going to medically discharge him because it's going to take six to nine months of, of, of not using his leg for the most part and being very gentle on it for him to overcome this. And how many of you want to spend six to nine months in boot camp? Extra. And so his plan is, is to come back. Yeah. You're like, put me in. They feed me. Yeah, exactly. I understand. And uh, I've been there. And so he's coming back, and then he's going to get healthy, and then he's going to go back is what his plan is. So thank you for your prayer on that, okay, on it. Um, but, but he told us of a story. I almost got myself sidetracked and lost myself. Uh, he told us of a story. He, says, he, goes, he, he said in his letter that he wrote to, his, to us, and he said, he goes, listen, he goes, I don't know why this is happening to me. He goes, but while I'm in, he goes, I'm in this medical division right now, they call it Ship 5. Um, I'm in this medical dimension. What's happened right now is there's another young man that's in here, and he goes, I'm able to share Christ, and I've been leading him into a relationship with Jesus Christ. So maybe the whole reason why I'm going through what I'm going right now is so I can share the gospel with him. Isn't that the right way to look at it? So I'm, I'm very proud to hear something like that. So that's what he's, what he's talking about on here. And so, um, so when we cast seed... We're casting, and he says, so first of all, up on the screen, the next slide is going to say this. It's going to say in verse four, uh, chapter 4, verse 3, it says, listen, behold this, the sower went out to sow. And then in verse 14 in Mark, he goes on and says, the sower sows the world. Who's the sower? Or sows the word, I'm sorry. Who's the sower? You guys. Behold, the hands and feet of Jesus, Right? us. If you're a Christian, if you're sharing the word, my, my son right now is a sower of seed, is what he's doing. He's casting out the seed. Billy Graham that we were talking about, that's he cast out great amounts of seed. But that's what he's talking about on there. And so it's, it's, it's a follower of Jesus Christ that tells a story. I'm going to encourage you guys, if you're in Jesus Christ and you have a story, and, you, and I've said this before, I said this the last few weeks, I think, and I said that you've got a special story that's unique because it's your story. And I'm going to challenge you to try to figure out how you can tell your story in less than a minute. How can you boil down to what Jesus has done in your life and how you came into a relationship twice? Into it with Christ in less than a minute because what that allows you to do is it gives you uh, I got a short attachment span sometimes right but it gives you it allows you to get the gist that you get in there of what Christ has done in your life and so I'm going to encourage you as the weeks come on to do that but that's what a Christian does that's what a sower does is he shares their story because it's personal on it as well uh, it's like this if 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 you had a cure for everything, would you keep it to yourself? You know, Jesus talks about this all the time. He talks about the, the person who finds a great treasure in a field and he sells all he has to buy the field, right? But if you have that great treasure, do you want to share it? 
If you've got that cure, do you want to share it? And that's what Jesus is. And so that's what a sower does. He shares what Christ has done in their life that goes into it. Uh, we have a cure for eternity. You know, Billy was just talking about that. And he says, listen, if you're my friend, call me Billy, right? He didn't want you to call him Dr. Graham or any of that kind of stuff. He says, call me Billy. But if you, he says that he eagerly anticipates his coming. He's not dreading the day that he's going to die or he's not dreading any of that. He, he's, he's, he's anticipating it. But because he knew what he was getting, he wanted to make sure everybody knew about it and went to great lengths. I, I read a thing where his daughter said, he go, she says, listen, I lost my dad, I figured, to ministry for 60% of my life. Because of him being gone, telling about Jesus. Now I've lost him to heaven. But it's not a loss. Because in a short amount of time, I'll be with him in heaven for eternity and I'll have my daddy forever. Because leading people to Jesus Christ was so important. That's what a sower does. So we're going to go ahead and let's go ahead and dive into this. Uh, he talks about four different soil conditions that we have here, four different areas that seed we're casting into. And, and so in verse 4, uh, I want to first talk about a seed that's denied. A seed that is denied. So in, in verse 4 it says, As he was sowing, some of the seed fell beside the road, and the birds came and they ate it up. And Jesus answers this in verse 15. In verse 15 he says, These are the ones who were beside the road where the word was sown, or where the word is sown. And when they hear it, immediately Satan comes and he takes it away from them. takes away the word which has been sown in them. The seed's cast to all people. I've talked to farmers and they talked about crows, that if you, did, you had to be very careful, you'd plant your seed and they would go down a row and they would just pull the, the seed out of the ground all the way down on it. And that's what he's talking about with Satan, doing that. And, and you'll have groups like that where you'll, you'll do it. I see it in schools, by the way. I see it in colleges when they deny who God is. And they're hardening people's hearts. But we have groups. There's people that we're going to talk to and we're going to witness to and we're going to share the gospel with and they're going to look at you and say, you're an idiot. You're a fool. Satan's already hardened their heart and pulled that away. We just read in 2 Peter 2.9 and said that, that Jesus isn't willing that any should perish but all to come into repentance. So that's very simple to say that we're supposed to cast that seed to everybody. I was telling my son this morning, I said, listen, the seed that we cast, that gospel that we give out, the gospel means good news. That gospel that we give out never comes back void. Never does. I've talked to people that they'll go back to a point in their life that someone shared the gospel to them, and it could be 20 years later, and they're still reflecting on that, 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 that seed has been getting kicked around in their life for 20 years before it finally takes root. That goes into that. But Satan is, is, is going to deny us. And he doesn't want that on there. I wish, I wish there was such a way that we can, I can lead someone to Christ. I can go over to him and, and share what God has done in my life, what Jesus Christ is, the hope that he's put in me, and that I could absolutely make you trust him. But it doesn't work that way. It's that free will thing that we talked about before, that he gives us free will. Satan has sold him a lie. He wanted to be like God, but he's selling a lie saying there is no God. And you hear science, and, and, and I went to a Christian university, and, and the neat thing about it was is I had, I had teachers that were serious, serious scientists, but they were also serious, serious followers of Jesus Christ. And he says, listen, I had one teacher that went through this whole line of all the stuff and how many times they've been published and the the research they're in, he says, I want to let you know, I didn't tell you all that stuff so you can boast on, hey, all this, my accomplishments. I want to show you that I'm a serious scientist and I believe that Jesus Christ. I believe in Adam and Eve and I believe that creation was seven days. You can have both. It's a lie that people are selling, saying that there is no Jesus. Their hearts have been hardened. 
But you know, the nice thing about it is I serve someone that can, that can soften any heart. Even though they're denying that seed, it doesn't mean that it's forever. Uh, some of you that have been here for quite a while knows Bob Weeks. He was a pastor here. Uh, Bob's one of my good friends. His father, pre- he, he witnessed to him and everything for years after years after years. Denied, denied, denied Christ. But what happened is, towards the very end of his life, he said, yes, Jesus. Don't give up. Just because the seed's denied, don't give up. Second kind of ground. I want to talk about the seed that's been abandoned. The seed that's been abandoned. In five, verses 5 and 6, it says, Other seed fell on the rocky ground where it did not have much soil, and immediately it sprang up because it had no depth of the soil. And after the sun had risen, it was scorched. And because it had no root, it withered away. Jesus says about this in, in verses 16 and 17, it says in a similar way. These are the ones who the seed was sown on the rocky places who when they heard the word, immediately they received it with joy. And they had no firm root in themselves, but were only temporary then. Then when the affliction or the persecution arises because of the word, immediately they fall away. Do you see that? The gospel's exciting. When you see what it's doing in people's lives, you get excited about it. You know, and sometimes you come to a relationship or you believe you're coming to a relationship in Jesus Christ because you want the excitement that someone else has it, but you're not following Jesus. You're like this one that Jesus is talking about. You've come to see a miracle, not the Savior. And what happens because of that is, is, is that, listen, being a Christian is not for the faint of heart. If you think it's for wimps and stuff, you've got another thing coming. Because when I said, yes, Jesus, there's a big giant bullseye that went into my, my back that says, that, and the Satan, Satan's fighting me every step of the way. As this church starts doing and, and starts reaching out in the community, watch Satan start coming in because he doesn't want us to do what we're doing. He doesn't want people to come into a relationship with Jesus Christ. He's going to fight us. He's going to, he's going to do everything he can to stop us. But we're going to keep on marching forward because my God is bigger. He's bigger. But because they have no root, when it gets tough, they fall away. I had a friend that used to tell me, he says, Jeff, he goes, you want to see what's in a person, wait until they get squeezed. Kind of like a tube of toothpaste, when you start squeezing it, what's going to come out the other side? And what happens in our Christian walk is sometimes we get squeezed. Either the world comes out, or Jesus. The group that we're talking about right here, there's still the world's there. The world still has a hold on them. And so Jesus isn't what comes out. When the rubber meets the road, when things get tough, they abandon him. I think of a, I think of a, there's, there's a sermon where, where Jesus is talking about, and he talks about eating flesh. He says, drink, unless you drink my blood and you eat my flesh, you can't enter the kingdom of, the kingdom of, of heaven. And, and, and all these people are going around, what do you mean? We've got to eat his flesh and drink his blood? It was a parable, parable by the way that he was talking about. And he says that almost everybody abandoned him. How's that for a sermon? You start with the crowd, end with a few. And then he looks at his disciples and he says, aren't you going to leave too? And he says, how can we leave? You hold the words of eternal life. That's a believer. That's a sold out Christian. When the tough got going and and the sayings got tough and the life got tough, they held on. They held on. I also see the seed that's inconvenient. Inconvenient seed. In verse 7 it says, Other seed fell along the thorns, and the thorns came up and it choked it. And it yielded no crop. In verse 18 and 19 Jesus said, 
and others are the ones whom the seed was sown among the thorns. These are the ones that have heard the word, but the worries of the world and the deceitfulness of the riches and the desires of other things entered in and choked the word and it became unfruitful. It was inconvenient. I think of the rich young ruler. That's the first thing when I read that. The first thing that came unto it. The rich young ruler comes to Jesus and he says, and, and I'm not going to put it up on the screen, but it's in Luke 18, uh, verses 18 through 25. So we'll, be, we'll have it in our reading coming up here very shortly. But he comes to him and he says, he goes, listen, he goes, Master. He goes, listen, I, I want to, I've kept your commandments. I've kept commandments. He goes, I've honored my father and my mother and I've done all these different things. What must I do to inherit eternal life? And then Jesus looks at him and says, sell everything you have and follow me. And he bows his head and he turns and he walks away because he had great wealth. You see, he had everything he needed. He can buy what he needed. He had his, his, give us this day our daily bread. Listen, I've got enough bread for months, years. I've got everything I need. But Jesus wasn't just quite important enough. It was inconvenient. If I sold everything I had, it'd be inconvenient. Because I wouldn't be able to do the things that I can do. I wouldn't be able to live the way I'm used to living. Jesus might not ask you to sell everything you have, but he very well might. My wife and I were, were looking to go to Haiti. And, I, and I've acquired some stuff. We've been married for 21 years. I finally got my garage. Yes! And then we're going to go to Haiti. I can't take my garage with me, guys. And I fought with God. I'm like, God, you know, you want, I know you gave this to me, but you want me to sell it? And I fought with them. And finally, I, I really felt like God said, listen, Jeff, am I more important than the stuff? And I said, no. You're more important than anything I have. And so I started selling everything I had. And then God changed it. We're here. Because it's not in the stuff. My stuff is actually inconvenient. God never is. So, but what happens is, is, is you have that, and his disciples goes, listen, he goes, Jesus said, it's easier for a camel to go through the high of a needle than a rich man to enter heaven. They said, wow, who can go? He says, with people, it's impossible. With God, everything's possible. Listen, it's Christ. It's Christ alone. We can't, it can't be inconvenient. The world has so much to offer. There's so many things you can do. Uh, if you've got a smartphone, you've got the world at your fingertips, literally. And it seems like it's getting bigger, faster, and the picture's getting better. And there's all kinds of things. People are sitting in church, and they spend more time looking at their phone than they do what's around. The world has so much to offer, but it's not going to offer you Jesus. It's not going to offer you a relationship with Jesus Christ. Why? Because it opposes what's going on in the world. It opposes it. I have a pastor friend that, that he's, he's, he was very influenced in my life, my life and my wife's life. And, and he told us a story. They were out knocking on doors. There's something uncomfortable, by the way. Knock on someone's door and tell them about Jesus. By the way, we're supposed to do that, just in case you're curious. Okay? And so he was knocking on doors, and he knocked on a house. It was a pretty nice house, and, and he, it wasn't a house he picked out. He's just going all the way down that road. And the guy said, literally said to him, he told him about Jesus Christ. He says, you know, listen, Pastor, that's nice and everything, but I'm too busy making money right now to do that kind of stuff. Money had a hold on him. The stuff had a hold on him. It was inconvenient. But there's a fourth kind of soil in here, right? It's a seed received. The seed was planted and it was received. In verse 8, it says, Others' seed fell into the good soil, and it grew up and increased, and it yielded a crop, and it produced 30, 60, and 100-fold. 
In verse 20, Jesus says, And these are the ones whom the seed was sown on good soil. And they hear the word, and they accept it, and it bears fruit 30, 60, and 100-fold. These are followers of Christ. These are people that received it. I, th I think about the ones that, that, that Jesus will say, Hey, you know, I've done this in your life, but don't go tell anybody. He knows exactly what they're going to go do. They've been radically changed. Billy talked about it. Unless you've been radically changed, and when you've seen what God has done in your life, you've got to tell someone. The biggest lie that we have is, is, is and I said this last week, is, listen, we've got, we've got Christians trying to steal, they're trying to steal our joy. You know what? Be excited about Jesus, but just be a little less excited. If you go tell people, you're going to offend some people. Well, listen, the gospel is offensive to people because it tells you what's right is versus what's wrong. But as a Christian, as a sold-out believer in Jesus Christ, it's not just my job as your pastor. It's your job as a Christian, as a believer, as a follower of Jesus Christ to share the gospel with other people. Invite them to come in and tell them that's what a Christian does. Christian means to be Christ-like. Good soil. I'm just one seed. But as I grow in Christ, as, I, as, as Christ grows in me, as I branch out, I start bearing fruit. I start sharing I start casting seed amongst all the soils. You know what? My job is just to cast it. It's God's to do the increase. I can't save anybody. I want you to know that. I don't have the ability. I don't have the deity. But I know one that does. I'm just casting seed. That's what I'm supposed to do. I want to be about my father's business. Listen, Jesus has got to be personal. We have way too much religion in this world. We're so worried about what this group's doing, what this group's doing. What are you doing? It's not about my religion. Listen, the reason why I'm a Baptist is because I believe it lines up with the Bible closest. But listen, it doesn't mean I think I'm the only one going to heaven either. If you've trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior, you are my brother, sister in Christ. Period. It's that simple. It's that simple. I want, I desire more than religion, I desire a relationship with the Father. I want to not know where I leave and He begins. I want us to be, I want, when, when you look at me, I want you to see a measure of Jesus Christ in me. Eventually, I want you to only see Jesus Christ in me. I want to become less. I want to be like John the Baptist was. And they came to him and they said, listen, he goes, aren't you getting all... doesn't bother you that everybody's leaving you to follow Jesus. He says, listen, I must become small so he can become great. That's what I want. I want Christ to be great in my life. I want to be a lot like Billy was. He just cast seed. He told truth. That's what I want in my life. I want to be the good soil. I want to get roots that are so strong that regardless of the persecution, even persecution that can end my life, Jesus is more important. You follow on the footsteps of Christians that have martyred their life for the Jesus Christ. They've went into places and it's cost them their life to give their gospel. They're going into different parts of the country. They're going into North Korea where you can get thrown in prison for having a Bible. They're willing to give their life for the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because a relationship with Jesus Christ is more important than even their life. And they want to share it. I know of a pastor that was held up by gunpoint, and they said, give me your wallet or I'm going to kill you. And he says, listen, I know where I'm going. I know where my eternity lies. He goes, I'm a Christian. I believe in Jesus Christ. I've trusted him as my Savior. Where's your eternity? The guy's getting holding him up. 
Because you just shoot me, I'm with my master. All you're going to do is send me to heaven sooner, but what about you? And he starts leading this person to Jesus Christ. He's got a gun on him. That's what I want. I want to be that bold for Jesus Christ. That's what I want in my life. <laughs> the closer I get to Jesus, the more I love him. Do you guys get that? The closer I get to him, the more I love him. And by the way, the closer I get to him, the more his hand is upon my life. My marriage is sweeter. My kids are sweeter. My job is better. He just permeates all part of my life. Jeff, does that mean you have no problems in any of those things? I never said that. There's still problems. In this life, you're going to have problems. But Jesus is bigger. Jesus is bigger. When my day is done, I want to be measured not by the possessions that I've accumulated, not by how nice of a guy I've been, how I've helped other people. I don't want any of that. I want to be measured about how I was to the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's where I want to be measured. My wife made a comment. I'm going to try to say this without crying. She made a comment. She says, what do you think Christ's words to Billy was when he got to heaven? Oh, I guarantee you heard, well done. Well done, thy good and faithful servant. Great is your reward. I think of the crowns he has that he gets to cast at his Savior's feet. Never sacrificed a thing in his life. But he gained everything. And when I say that, listen, he put his family on the altar of ministry. He put everything he had on the altar of ministry. I've heard people say, you know, he died worth quite a bit. Almost like it was a negative thing. I see people that God has blessed over and over into it. But let's talk about what he did for Jesus. Let's talk about the money that came out of his own pocket for Jesus. And I bet it's great. Because God was more important than all of that. We do the shoe boxes, don't we? His hand, his ministry will carry on. It's carrying on through his son. I want you to hear this today. Everyone in this room falls underneath one of those four different soil types. Everybody here falls under one of them. Are you the seed that's been cast on the wayside? There's no God. Are you the seed that's cast among the rocks? And, and, and the worries of the world have come in. And you've abandoned. It spurred, you know, the, you started to grow in Christ and then and the world just kind of choked you out. Are you the inconvenient seed? Listen. It's just inconvenient right now. You know, I'm having too much fun in my life right now. There's no time for Jesus and everything. You know, later on in my life, there's going to be a time, and at that point, you know, we'll do something then. I've heard that before. There was a guy in the Bible about that too, wasn't he? He had a barn full of stuff. He says, listen, look at all I have. He goes, I'm just going to sit back. I'm not doing anything. Matter of fact, I'm going to tear down my barn and build a bigger one. And Jesus says, you fool. Tonight, tonight I will require your life. Are you the seed inconvenient? Or are you sitting here today and you say, no, no, pastor, I'm not the seed inconvenient. I'm the seed received. I've trusted Jesus Christ as my Savior. He is important in my life. Then I want to have a challenge for you this morning. I want to say, listen, I want you to go out and tell other people what Jesus has done in your life. I don't want you to be an inward Christian anymore because I want that Holy Spirit that abides with inside you to become so full, so big and everything that it has to explode out of you. And I hope it splats over everybody within a mile of you. And tell people about Jesus Christ.
Listen, if they're not going to this church, I want them going to a church because we need that strength that comes from brothers and sisters in Christ. I've got great friends that aren't Baptists. Love them. And I know they love Jesus. But I want them to do that. If they don't have a home, I want them here. Listen, you're sitting here today and you might be playing that you were in that one group that the seed is kind of, it was exciting for a little while. If you trusted Christ as your Savior, the only person that knows whether or not I have a relationship with Jesus Christ truly is me. You know whether or not you've been playing a game or not. You know whether or not he's ruling your life. James said, listen, look at my life and you will see Christ in me. Because, of, listen, what I'm going to do, the works that I do, not works for salvation, but works of salvation. Maybe you're sitting here today and you say, that, Jeff, listen, I'm not even going to, I just, I don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ. Man, I wish I could express to you, and I, I'm not, I don't have the words to express to you on how important of a decision that is in your life, that you just trust him. And you might say, Jeff, are you going to preach the gospel every Sunday? Yes. Yes. It's the most important thing that's ever happened to me. Listen, I'm not perfect, but I got one in me that is. And I know what I have, and, and listen, I'm not afraid of death. I don't care what it comes. When it comes, fine. I'm all right with it. I want to stay with my lovely wife and my kids as long as I can, but listen, when it's my time to move on, don't worry about me. I know where my home is. My question is, just like Billy said, do you know where your home is? I want to read something to you real fast, and I'm going to close. So if the band wants to go ahead and start coming up, I'm going to start reading this. Um, there was a question that was asked Billy, and they asked him, and it says, it says, Mr. Graham, how would you like to be remembered? These are Billy's words. He says, I hope you, I will be remembered as someone who was faithful. Faithful to God. Faithful to the gospel of Jesus Christ. Faithful to the calling God has given me. And not only as an evangelist, but as a husband, a father, and a friend. I'm sure I failed in many ways. But I take comfort in Christ's promise of forgiveness. And I take comfort also in God's ability to take even the most imperfect efforts and use them for his glory. By the time you read this, I'll be in heaven. And as I write this, I'm looking forward with great anticipation of the day that I will be in God's presence forever. I'm convinced that heaven is far more glorious than anything I can possibly even imagine right now. And I look forward not only to its wonderful, to its wonder and its peace, but also to the joy of being reunited with the ones that have gone before me, especially my dear wife, Ruth. The Bible says, now we see but a poor reflection, as in a mirror. Then we shall see face to face, 1 Corinthians thirteen twelve. But I won't be in heaven because I've preached to large crowds or because I've, trust, I've tried to live a good life. I'll be in heaven for one reason. Many years ago, I put my faith in Jesus Christ who died on the cross for our forgiveness. He made our forgiveness possible and he rose again. from the dead to give us eternal life. Do you know you will go to heaven when you die? You can by committing your life to Jesus Christ today. And he ended with, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. His last words, Do you know Jesus? Brother, I'm going to turn it over to you. And, and listen, if you don't have a relationship to Jesus Christ, today's that day. Listen, maybe things have come up in your life and Jesus is kind of becoming second. I'm going to, I'm going to adjust you. I'm going, to, I'm going to ask you to do what Dale did. I want you to recommit your life. I, whether it's through baptism or it's just coming down here and kneeling and saying, yes, Jesus. 
Maybe you've been looking for a church home. Maybe this is what you're needing. Then come in here. Come forward. Listen, don't let today leave the same person you was when you came in. Leave stronger in Jesus, brother. Come out of sadness from wherever you've been. Come broken hearted, let a rescue begin. And come find your mercy, O oh sinner, come kneel. Earth has no sorrow that heaven can heal. So lay down your burden. Lay down your shame. Yes, Lord. And all who are broken, lift up your face. Oh, wanderer, come home. You're not too Lay down your hurt, lay down your heart, come as you are. There's hope for the hopeless and all those who stray. Come sit at the table, come taste of his grace. There's rest for the weary. And rest that endures. Earth has no sorrow that heaven can cure. So lay down your burden. Lay down your shame. And all who are broken. Lift up your faith, O oh, wanderer, come home, you're not too far, amen. So lay down your hurt, lay down your heart, come as you are. Come as you are Won't you fall in his arms Come as you are There's joy in the morning Oh sinner be still Earth has no sorrow that heaven can't heal. Earth has no sorrow that heaven can't heal. Lay down your burdens. Lay down your shame. All who are Father, Lord, I pray, I pray for your mighty hand on each and every life in here. I pray that, that, Lord, I pray that we would live a life that's honor, that honors you. Um, Lord, I'm going to ask you to just boldly do things in this church with your people here. And, and, and Lord, let us, let us 
cast that seed far and wide. And, and Lord, we just look for the, the miracles that you're going to do in lives. And we're going to see what it is that you do. Lord, we thank you for, the, for, the, for our people and, and the, how you're working in lives. And, and I don't feel I'm worthy, Lord. And, and when I read that, what Billy said about, you know, even imperfect things that we do, that you can make perfect things with them. And, and Lord, I feel that way with me and you. Lord, I thank you for that. In Jesus' precious name I pray, amen. Hey, we're going to end with, uh, we do it every Sunday with this, bind us together. So if you would, go ahead and join hands.